This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, John Hammontree here. We are between Wreck and Interview seasons right now, but I have got a special bonus episode for y'all because I like you so much. So last fall, before the coronavirus pandemic struck and turned everything upside down, I visited Los Angeles for a few days with my wife. Now in LA, it feels like literally everybody has a podcast or a YouTube show or makes money off of Twitch or TikTok or Cameo or whatever. They've got billboards for podcasts, they've got billboards for YouTube shows, they've got billboards for Patreon accounts. It's very different than Birmingham, Alabama in that regard. And the hotel we were staying at advertised itself as having a podcasting room, which one, seems like something that could only happen in LA, and two, turned out to be a bit of an oversell. This podcasting room was basically a closet next to a club. So we've got a glass door next to an overhead speaker that's playing club music and the volume can't be turned down. And I was traveling, so I didn't exactly bring the best mic setup. And I kind of botched my volume in particular. That said, this is one of my favorite guests I've interviewed since we started this thing. You would probably recognize Zach Goyama from College Humor videos. At one point, he kind of became the face of the Tide Pod Challenge. He's also a regular on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast. He's worked on Key and Peele and Adam Ruins Everything. And he's just one of the funniest people in the business today. And I'm a little biased because he's also an old friend from high school. So we talk about growing up in Alabama. We talk about how his dad scored a small role in Jordan Peele's Get Out. We talk about how the internet has changed the entertainment business. The Chick-fil-A versus Milo's versus In-N-Out debate. And a whole lot more. And, well, I, I hope you like club music in the background on this week's episode of The Reckon Interview. Okay, Zach Oyama. Thank you Hello. for coming on The Reckon Interview. John Hammondtree. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people will know you from college humor or comedy bang bang a uh, number of podcasts videos but i know you from high school yeah i know it's it's so fun to you know see you again i feel like it's been forever yeah yeah and well i mean i remember in high school that you were always telling everybody that someday you were going to make a living uh doing podcasts and comedy <laughs> videos on the internet and so you know i had it, the it, foresight it, yeah, right? yeah. It's glad to see that you're living your dream. But no, in reality, you did lacrosse, you did track, I think. Did some track and lacrosse. Yeah, I played all the sports that, you know, you can't play when you're an adult. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I think my interests in high school were pretty scattershot. Yeah. Like, um, I knew that I kind of didn't like doing any real work. <laughs> so, like, generally was interested in, like, entertainment stuff. But, you know, when you live in Alabama, it's very confusing to, like, what is the leap to any of that? Right. So didn't really have a clear plan, I would say. Yeah. And then you went to Auburn briefly. I went to Auburn my freshman year. Yeah. And then transferred to Alabama. Which it, nobody does. No one does. It. I, I mean, I think it shows sadly my like 
my loyalty <laughs> that I'm just like, I don't know, it seems fine. Either seems fine. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think both were fine. I, I don't know that I would say that I was an ambassador for either school, <laughs> but like it was more of a like, just talking about high school and then college in general, like even going into college felt a little like I'm not sure exactly what I was doing. So it's like didn't have great grades or anything like that. So it was like, yeah, I guess the state school that's pretty close to home is where I'm going to go. <laughs> right. At Alabama, you studied telecommunication and film, right? Mm -hmm. And I know you were doing some sketches back then because yeah. uh, Jimbo and I were in one. You were in one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That puts me like, I don't know, a few degrees of separation from uh, Jordan Peele or yeah, something. Yeah, like exactly. You guys would uh, rub elbows at the same, yeah, the same party. Yeah. I forget about that. I also haven't said the name Jimbo Dawkins in five years, I think, but uh, it's very funny to remember that. I was doing telecommunication and film at Alabama, which is their, like, you know, the old, as old as possible sounding film degree. That they, <laughs> uh, they finally have changed it. Yes. They make it something different. Yeah. Truly sounded like I it was in the 70s. Uh, <laughs> but there was a kind of like campus, I think it was called Campus Movie Fest, which was like a sort of little film festival that would go to different colleges and like have a little weekly competition. And me and another friend from Alabama and, and Mountain Brook, Matthew Mazur, wrote a little sketch kind of thing and uh you know couldn't think of a better person in my head it was it was john Hammond. <laughs> yeah well the sketch just involves me getting well dunked on mm -hmm. by my friend jimbo for basically five for like minutes. five full minutes yeah we kind of lost touch after that mm -hmm. and um i remember one day i was just goofing around watching videos on the internet and up pops this video was at goyama it was the video about putting text at the top and text at the bottom. Oh yeah. They just completely like deconstructed and broke <laughs> apart everything that made the internet video work at the time. Yeah. And so tell me how you got from graduating from Alabama in what, mm -hmm. 2010, 2011? I think, yeah, December of 2010 okay. I graduated. And then came out California yeah. initially. Okay. Well, there was a little time in between. Yeah, finishing up my degree at Alabama, I still needed an internship. And I was really fortunate that my brother-in-law was producing a movie that was shooting in Atlanta. And I got to go intern on that movie and just like go, you know, Alabama was a great experience in school, but it was also like, we never really had the access to like a major film set or anything like that you would have if you went to say like USC or whatever. Right. Uh, that's pretty foreign feeling. But yeah, it was, I was just really lucky that I could, was able to drive over to Atlanta and then just be on the set of this movie called Wanderlust that had like, you know, Jennifer Aniston, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd and all yeah. those, Jordan Peele, who I met there and interned on that movie. And then that was my last credit I needed. And so when I graduated, I, I moved to LA and well, worked as a post PA, just like getting editors lunch and stuff on that movie as well. And then from there, you know, had met Jordan and some other people on that movie. And so when Key and Peele show that I didn't know what it would be like was uh, picked up. I just emailed him like, hey, I would love to be a PA if you need one. And uh, he hired me. Wow. <laughs> and so that was my, the beginning of my LA period. Well, yeah. and it's kind of turned into a family business because I mean, your mm -hmm. sister obviously and your brother-in-law are involved with yeah. The, um, your sister writes for Fresh Off the Boat. Yes, yeah, she, well, she's or, currently writing on a, what is she writing on? She's writing on a bunch of stuff, but she, I think she finished that pretty recently and now 
wrote for this uh, Mindy Kaling Netflix show with a name that I don't know, honestly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then now it's like um, working on some other development stuff that she's writing herself. But your dad has probably been seen by more people in the world yeah. just by virtue of being the Asian man in Get Out. <laughs> yeah. It is very bizarre. How did uh, that happen? So I ended up working on Key Peel for a number of years yeah. as like a PA and then they're like the assistant to all the producers and then I got to be an associate producer for four, it felt like three or four years, like just constantly worked on that show without a break because all cycles of the like writing would go into the pre-production, would go into the production, go into the editing, go right back into the writing again. So that was my life for a couple of years. My dad was in town because, you know, me and my sister live out here. And like you said, it's sort of a family business and came to visit set one day. Jordan and Keegan both loved him. You know, he's a very charismatic, strange man that <laughs> is, uh, you know, hard not to enjoy his presence. Jordan, when he was going to film Get Out. Which they filmed in Fairhope, Alabama. Yeah, they ended up in shooting it in Fairhope. But uh, I think there was a number of places that they were looking at, but that ended up, you know, Alabama ended up being the place. Because that happened, Jordan, I think like, Casting in Alabama was like maybe a slightly daunting thing where you just didn't know what it would be like. And you know, I can tell you from personal experience, there's not a ton of Asian people in Alabama. <laughs> and uh, and since he had met my dad, he was like, he literally texted me. He was like, hey, would your dad want to be in my movie? And it was truly just like, I think he would do it. I don't, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's great. He is great at it. But, you know, there's a bit of a X factor, you know, or just like a, a variable there with like, he's not a trained actor per no. se. Well, and there are also like, I mean, I was just kind of Googling your, your dad mm -hmm. uh, and there were a bunch of think pieces that were written about yeah. his character, the importance of the Asian character in mm -hmm. Get Out and things like that. Is he cognizant of, of any of that? Was he reading his reviews? I don't know that he would fully read them, but he would like be interested in the fact that people were writing them, yeah. like in like the conversation there. But I know that he like kind of didn't know what it would be and then was like very excited with the result of yeah. it. And like it's definitely very fun for him. Yeah. Cause he loves movies and stuff. And and it's so it's so like my dad that like me and my sister could come to California and work super hard to try to like have careers and stuff. And then he could be like, oh, okay, I'll try it. And then be in a Academy Award winning movie. <laughs> right, the biggest movie. Yeah, I think up until that point, the biggest roles that people had had from Mountain Brook in movies, I guess, yeah. would be Courtney Cox. Yes, yeah, uh, sure. Edward Speaker's dad was in Borat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Philip Adams' aunt, I guess, was in uh, To Kill Mockingbird. Yeah, yeah, so your dad's in, he's on the Mount Rushmore of Mount Yeah, I mean, he's up there. Well, let's talk about him for a minute, because as you mentioned, there's not a lot of Asian people in Alabama. Totally. And your dad immigrated to Birmingham from Japan. Yeah. What's... Why Alabama? Yeah, I mean, it's a question that is still elusive to me a little <laughs> bit. So my dad is a part of this karate organization called Kyokushin Karate that was huge in Japan and still is very large in Japan, but like they hit a point where they wanted to expand to the United States and him, his brother and another guy were kind of charged with like setting up shops here. And his older brother, who's a little more established in the world was like, you're going to New York, you're opening a big dojo there. And the other guy went to Chicago. And then I think pretty much they just sort of knew someone in Alabama. <laughs> And that's where they, my dad got sent to Alabama. And like geographically, like if you don't know anything about the United States, I could see like 
Yeah, that makes sense. Right. It is like a little bizarre and and I know like when people ask him about it and they're like, why Alabama? He goes, he gets def- a little defensive and says, why not? And, yeah. and you know, I think that's kind of the spirit of it. It just was like, maybe there wasn't a very specific plan in place, but he's still there. Yeah, I mean, he has a number of karate dojo. Karate yeah, studios, dojo, studios yeah. dojos, like- um, Around the area. Yeah, and his brother since passed away, and he has taken over everything, and, and it's also splintered off from that specific karate organization. And so he's the head of a lot of branches internationally. Like there's places in like Saudi Arabia and, oh, wow. and San Francisco, and you know, of course, Japan, and and he's the head of that specific organization. So he's the head of that whole organization. Yes, yeah. stays based in Birmingham. Yeah, oh, that's cool. he just like flies to Japan a lot, and <laughs> yeah. it's a tired old man who's traveling too much. <laughs> <laughs> Has he picked up any quirky Southern mannerisms, or is his accent? His accent is insane. My dad sounds Cajun to me. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like because it's like. I remember the first time I saw my uncle in a while after not seeing him and hearing that he didn't really have as much strong as an accent as my dad does. When you say, you mean Japanese accent? Yes. Or Japanese or, uh, yeah, whatever accent my dad has. (laughs) He did not sound the same. Because he's like a very stubborn man and I I think he learned English, of course, but like will hold on to different quirks with his language. It's really hard to describe, but he, he has an accent all his own, it feels like. And then you moved from Alabama mm-hmm. out to California, and California, LA in particular, of course, has a large Asian population. Yeah. Are people ever, I guess, surprised that you are from the South? All the time. Yeah. No one no one guesses that I'm from Birmingham. And it's one of those weird things where like, I don't know that I ever had a strong accent, but certainly like lost it more and more subconsciously. like maybe being more aware of accents at a younger age because my mom has a strong southern accent my dad has whatever his accent is and then my older sister erica like she moved to la for college she went to lmu uh loyola marymount and um i think she had more of a neutral accent once she she moved and like i don't know i think i like i don't really make remember making that much of an effort but like pretty much everyone's surprised not only because my accent just because that it feels like there's it's just like not the story you hear. Right. When yeah. people think of Alabama, mm-hmm. they think of white and black. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, I, I shouldn't say there's a sizable population. I think there's mm-hmm. a less than 1% population in Alabama that is Asian. Yeah. But a lot of it's Vietnamese and, and Cambodian down in the Mobile area. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. There were a lot of refugees that came over, I think, during the war that, Interesting. that shrimp yeah. down there. But in your comedy, you have definitely played up some of your southern roots you sure a character on comedy bang bang mr camp and well why don't you just introduce us <laughs> oh to, boy. to who mr camp is well comedy bang bang was just like you know it's an improv charactery podcast where they'll have like a, a guest that is playing themselves who or that is just truly themselves promoting something and then two or three other people come in as these weird characters and it is always like, it's a cool thing to have gotten to do, but like there is a process of like, oh man, I got to think of a character and not really have <laughs> my personal experience is like, okay, what what's something I can think of that I remember that will be a character and just played like uh, pulling on a couple of things, like played a character named Mr. Camp, which is literally the name of a fourth grade Crestline teacher I had. <laughs> uh, but not really well, being him. Right. Yeah. Was he bad at handshakes? 
No, no, I don't remember. I, I don't think so. But like, then also just like kind of playing off the joke of that, those viral videos of like a teacher that has a handshake for literally every student in their class, like they go through like 30 handshakes. Right. Just, it made me laugh to imagine the teacher next to that teacher who's just like, uh-oh, I have to, <laughs> do I have to learn handshakes now? So it's just like, Someone just like, you know, spiraling with that. I think that's what the character that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have a rival teacher who was the guy who was good at handshakes. Yeah. His name was Eddie Yielding. Eddie Yielding. Who's... He was a friend of ours from yeah. high school. Do you keep in touch with Edward? Does he know that he was mentioned? On yeah, I, I told him about it. Ed, Ed is one of my best friends. So it's, you know, I, I think it was like, it's for no one other than like, yeah, maybe from people from Alabama or, you know, specific friends. Because yeah. like, I think he listens to those podcasts as well. So I was like, yeah, it would be funny to like name him. I also name check. I think Chris Anderson I brought up in a yeah. different thing. And Dylan. Dylan. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's the specifics in that world could just be anything. So it's just like, not. Nah, it's just kind of fun for me, I guess. And it's weird being in Alabama. So, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously, but typically uh -huh. I will just go down a rabbit hole. And when I'm about to interview a guest, I'll just listen to any podcast that they've been on. Sure. And usually they're interview podcasts. And I knew about Comedy Bang Bang because some of my coworkers listened to it. And one day they were like, hey, you should talk to this guy. He, he talked about Jefferson County. And I was like, what? And then they said, it's Zach Oyama. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that makes, makes more sense. sense. Yeah. I know Zach. They, they said, you should interview him. And so then I spent some time and I just got sucked into this rabbit hole of improv podcasts, which oh, like, yeah. don't exist in like Birmingham, like sure. there's not any that are being recorded there. If there are, I'm sorry that I missed them. But there's this whole ecosystem of them in LA. I mean, mm -hmm. we're recording in a hotel that claims to have a <laughs> podcasting room. Which is truly, we're just in a little, like maybe like a long glass Plus. phone booth is what it feels like, where you can hear the music from outside it playing and there's records. <laughs> It's like the type of room that if you were in Montgomery, it would be like a business center yeah. or something. It is not a, uh, well, there's no equipment. The music is still playing outside. The to call this a podcast echo. room fundamentally misunderstands podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the whole, like, you drive around and there are billboards advertising people's podcasts. Yeah. Uh, it seems like everybody has a Patreon. Totally. You came out here a few years ago and your sister was out here earlier, but it seems like the sort of traditional studio system has just been shattered. And then now, I mean, obviously you do Upright Citizens Brigade yeah. and you've done some of the traditional PA stuff, but that the name of the game now is digital video and, mm -hmm. or, I mean, we're actually moving away from that or podcasting. Yeah. Where do you fit in that? I mean, you had a nice career with College Humor. Sure. Like, and still do some work for them. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the digital space, uh, I put it in quotes because yeah. I barely know. I feel like I, for having worked in it for so long, still feel like it's such a confusing thing to talk about because I think there was like a really big industry of like kind of what some people call like the middle class creative like comedy world where people were making videos for like Funny or Die or College Humor or whatever. And that in a lot of ways and with like, or all these other companies that spring up is, is disappearing in a lot of ways. Like I think College Humor has done well with their subscription service, but like the other route that some places take is being more um, sponsored, you know, like doing a lot more like, uh, uh, like ad based stuff or, you know, like, um, 
branded content. Yeah, yeah. And you know, also equally valid. But yeah, like that that space is definitely shifting a lot. And I think you're right in, in talking about like how podcasting has become so popular. And I think that's where a lot of people who are similarly trained as me as like have come from like the UCB, the improv school that like I still perform at and have, you know, been doing basically since I moved here. That's a space for people to like have control and like, you know, it's not breaking the bank to like get some podcasting equipment mm -hmm. and you can release it yourself. And it's pretty, I guess, is it scalable the word? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like uh, I, maybe, maybe that's using that word wrong, but like you can make your own podcast. Whether people listen to it or not is another thing. Right. But there is a bit of a market for it. And, and I think in LA, you kind of take for granted that like, I even made a college humor sketch about this called Don't Start a Podcast or whatever. I just roast a guy for trying to make a podcast about some TV show or something. Yeah. But I think it, with time, I've realized, oh, I'm wrong. That's that's the wrong take there. Right. Like, I mean, if you want to get cast in things now, it, it, my understanding is it'll come down to like, what's your Instagram following? How many yeah. podcast subscribers do you have? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it depends on the thing, but like, it certainly doesn't hurt to have a presence online that, like, yeah, maybe this person with their if they have like a hundred thousand followers could repost the show that you know, and that uh, that could help some kind of numbers or something. I, I don't know that it's ever helped me. Like, I right. don't. I'm not like I'm not of that level online, but you know, it is a factor to some people. Yeah. Coming up after the break, we discuss where to find decent Southern food in Los Angeles. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. As the novel coronavirus wreaks havoc in Alabama and across the world, these are the stories of the people seeking to survive the disease and its economic strain. I've been doing this 40 years. I bet I've fired five people in my entire life. And, you know, we're in the process of laying off hundreds of people. And I can tell you, that's as tough as anything we've ever done. A lot of us don't have health insurance. A lot of us don't have sick days. You can't collect unemployment when shows cancel. Everyone is worried. Everyone is tense. Everyone is concerned. I have a business that I cannot even run. For two months now, I've been closed. I have five employees. They keep asking me when we're gonna reopen and I don't know yet. I'm an optimistic guy. And, and I think that my group is smart enough and hardworking enough and kind enough to get us through this, whatever they throw at us. And, and that's certainly my hope. Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. Search Outbreak Alabama on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. So you were at College Humor when, I guess it was probably Facebook that started screwing with the algorithm. Totally. That, you know, I would imagine that led to College Humor deciding to do the subscription route. Uh, I know it certainly impacted us in, in the news business. Totally. That, you know, they control your fate. It is, it is so messed up. I mean, um... When I think back to that time uh, when I was at College Humor, where like we would get kind of breakdowns of like, well, this is how the YouTube videos did, this is how the Facebook videos did, and I remember being like, well, like certain videos on Facebook were like, did you know, gangbusters? It's just like, oh wow, that video was like, you know, it did five times as well on Facebook, even though we couldn't put ads on it or whatever, and like. I remember feeling in my bones like this feels wrong. I don't think that's correct, but as if they say that's the thing, okay. What I don't really know that much about 
you know. Yeah. Well, you knew enough stuff. to know that if you put text at the top and text at the bottom, then yeah. you could <laughs> just have a picture of water. And yeah. It would do huge numbers. It would yeah, do it was fake money. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, it is funny to, like, write internet videos for a couple of years. You start to realize the patterns and realize, like, for better or worse, what is, like, the trend of it and, you know, can write jaded videos where you talk about how stupid it is that, like, doesn't matter what we say. If you just have, like, big bold letters above or below, it'll be a video that people watch. And you also, I don't think, necessarily led to the Tide Pod Challenge, but you, you <laughs> became the face of the Tide Pod um, Challenge. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I made a video truly based off of my own personal experience of, like, being in the car and hearing a radio commercial like, Tide Pods are fun, but you know, they're not candy. And just that making me feel like, oh, now I wanna eat one. <laughs> I didn't want to before. I made that video and it came out and then nothing was, there wasn't a Tide Pod challenge for a while. And then like later on, College Humor made this like compilation of videos where people just talked about like videos they liked of the year. And that one was in there. And then it, people like cut it out and made it sort of a meme of just a, of me just scarfing down Tide Pods. And then that like, like it just kind of hit at the same time as someone else was like kind of memeing it. And like a lot of people, <laughs> you know, there were like onion videos and stuff before I did that. Right. that were like, it was a weird time when people would be like, so you started it, and, which is not true, <laughs> right. but it was like an odd, odd amount of pressure to put on it where I'm like, am I gonna get sued? <laughs> like what's going on? Uh, well, and. and so how does that work? So you, you come in, you have a pitch, yeah, and you all have, a, I guess, a um, production team that goes out and makes these fake Tide Pods. I mean, yeah. you, well, they're just people who are there to create anything you want for a video? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, I would do live sketch at UCB where like, you know, you're putting on a live half hour show and it's like, you're also the producer. So it's like, you gotta go make the like lobster costume or whatever you have yeah. in your sketch. And that's fun, but also a ton of work. So when I got the job at College Humor, it was nice because there's a built-in production team that like, yes, you have to write to the budgets they have and the what is actually possible uh, for a small team that has other things to do as well. But like, if you write, say, a sketch that has a, people eating a bunch of pies, they'll go get the pies, you yeah. know? Uh, and like, depending on the sketch would have a production designer or you know someone in charge of like props, et cetera. And this guy, um, who is it? I think it's Rick. He like did a great job of making fake Tide Pods, which was just like, it's just white icing with like different like glitter food coloring kind of stuff that like he made little pockets for and then just wrapped it in like kind of like, like cellophane. Like, yeah. so that you couldn't actually eat them, but you could bite I down on them. Yeah. And so that's, that's what we did. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. How often do you go back to Alabama or does anything keep you connected to Alabama? I, you know, I should go back more than I do. It's hard because my sister also lives out here right. and she's married and has kids. And so my parents want to see their grandkids so a lot. Yeah, so they, they're out here several times a year. And I probably go back maybe once every year and a half, maybe even less than that, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I think like it's something that's been weighing on me more lately that I should, just for the sake of my relationships with my extended family and stuff that like I, you know, my grandparents have a harder time traveling, and so like I should, you know, get back to see them. And yeah, stuff. yeah. What about food or oh. football or anything? Out yeah, here that, uh... I think like it is such a bummer, you know, outside of family and friends, like huge, you know, second or third place, depending. It's uh, 
is food. Yeah. Like that's really what I miss because I eat. I would say I eat pretty healthy now, but I am not uh, unaccustomed to eating trash <laughs> or not like. And not to to say food in Alabama is trash, but like there is just the level of like being okay eating stuff that is like pretty calorically bad. For yeah, everything <laughs> deep fried. Yeah, like. There is a more of an emphasis on salad and whatever, like kale or whatever in, L- in LA, but like I miss Milo's so much. That's like the first stop when I when I get home. Where do you feel in and out versus Milo's? Okay, so I love In-N-Out. I think In-N-Out's really good. The fries I think are a train wreck. Yeah. I've grown to like them a little bit just because like fries are good, and right. but like, they're too like spongy and hard and like small. They're like these crazy little tiny fries. Yeah, I've made myself <laughs> like them, but but it's just but I like them. Syndrome for food. Yeah. yeah, but the burgers are incredible. I love yes. In-N-Out burgers. I and I love generally flatter burgers. Like weirdly, I hate going to like a gastro pub or whatever where you get like a a huge burger that you like can't fit in your mouth and then it like falls apart right. and like it's messy. You know, don't like that. But Milo's is, you know, I feel like it's every department kills it. Like the sweet tea is amazing. The burger itself is amazing. The sauce, that's amazing. The, the shakes are amazing. The shakes are amazing. Me and my friend Mitchell Hall, you know, Owens Hall's yeah. little brother, would do a thing in college where we would go to Milo's, get a mega meal, and then also get chicken tenders and put the chicken tender on our burger. Oh, yeah. And the just, whole farm, right? Yeah, there. yeah, and you just like eat, eat that and you hurt for a while. <laughs> I miss doing that. Do you know Robert Walston? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Robert Walston yeah. to do something similar where he would just go pick up food from there. He'd pick up <laughs> food from Bojangles. It was right there in Irondale where you could go to uh, hit them all. Those Bojangles, like Chick Fil A, all at once, and then he would just. His metabolism is insane. Yeah. If Milo's existed outside of Alabama, it would hands down be everybody's oh. favorite. I know some people who have this uh, podcast called Doughboys. That's mm-hmm. like a, a popular chain restaurant podcast. They recently did a tour where they went to Huntsville. They, their topic for that episode was Waffle House. Yeah. And they loved Waffle House. But like I was like hitting them up because I think... Carl Tart, who's also on Comedy Bang Bang a lot, went on the tour with them, and I was like, you gotta just at least check out Milo's. Even if you don't do an episode on it, please just go. And I don't think they were able to make it because it's a little further away there. There's also Jack's up there. Oh, yeah. Jack's is another good local chain that hasn't made its way out. Yeah, when, when the Popeyes Chick fil A wars were happening, mm-hmm. I felt like Jack's and Milo's both got unfairly left out of the discussion just because there's not the, yeah. the reach. Milo's chicken sandwich is really good. Yeah, I was interested in the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I have to admit that I knew a lot of people who were just saying like objectively Popeye's is better. I really personally nostalgically like the Chick-fil-A sandwich. Everything else aside, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, fried chicken is like my favorite food. So it's, I've convinced myself that it is good for me and I will eat it whenever I see it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And there's good fried chicken in LA and a lot of places. Mm -hmm. Well, what are you working on now? So lately, I think since leaving College Humor, I've done you know more of a freelancing route since then, and like just been auditioning and writing for different things. Like I wrote for the show Adam Ruins Everything. After that, just on, on True TV, and yeah. it's you know very explanation heavy, like edutainmenty show that's debunks myths and things. It, um, I mean, it's very close to being journalism. I mean, I think in a lot yeah. of ways it is. It's There's a lot of researchers on the show who are you know, like have a lot of like great 
published work and are really good at, at doing the hard work in that show. Yeah. And I would come in and try to write jokes on their set. <laughs> yeah. But like they were the heart of the show and Adam as well. Uh, you know, wrote, wrote on that for a little bit and then recently shot something for like a pilot for Comedy Central that, you know, is one of those things where you like can't really say that much about it. And, uh, you know, hopefully it gets picked up, but who knows? I'm in that kind of weird holding pattern there. And then on top of that, just writing some stuff on my own and then also doing, like we said before, College Humor has their own subscription service called Dropout now that we... Me and some friends uh, do this D&D show, like a Dungeons and Dragons show. Yeah. And starting to do that in the last few years, it's been so fun because it's just like doing improv in your living room with like dice rolls making the checks. Were uh, you into D&D before this? It's relatively new. Okay. Like I started doing it with friends from College Humor and the guy who runs it, this guy Brennan uh, Lee Mulligan, has been uh, doing D&D since he was like nine years old. So he's like... Been, he's better at running a D&D game than I am at anything. And so <laughs> so it's like, this guy knows it. And like, we were doing a game for, uh, like a home game where, you know, just for fun would play out like every couple months on a weekend for a couple hours. And then when he got hired at College Humor, they like eventually developed a, a D&D show for him. And then he brought in most of the players from that home game and with two other friends as well. Yeah, it's fun. We're right now we're just doing like a weekly Wednesday show on Twitch. It, like extending the world of the like we've done a couple of campaigns for it for the show called Dimension 20 and um, we're doing an extended version of of the first season where we're like picking up where we left off it's been really really fun yeah because Twitch is also its own weird world where I've just been like learning like what that is at all yeah I mean it changes like every few months what the big thing is I yeah guess, uh, I guess I've learned increasingly about TikTok which I <laughs> You can get lost in that for hours. Yeah, um, it's a bizarre world. It's chaos. <laughs> so if your show gets picked up, your Comedy Central show, we could conceivably be looking at a world where there are two people from Birmingham with shows on Comedy Central, because I know Roy Wood Jr. Oh, yeah. Development there. That's awesome. Yeah, I never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, it actually, uh, I think, takes place in, or it's supposed to take place in Jefferson County. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I have to I have to read about that. I mean, it's so cool that he's, you know, he's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. And that's all the time we have this week, folks. Thanks to Zach Oyama for his time, and thank you for listening. We'll be back with Season 3 soon. This episode was executive produced and hosted by me, John Hammontree. It was produced and edited by Abby Gibson at Edit Audio. If you like our show, please consider subscribing so you don't miss out on Season 3, and go back and catch up on episodes of Season 1 and 2 if you haven't caught all of those. Please share the show with your friends, give us a 5-star review, and follow Reckon on all of our social channels, and check out our new site, ReckonSouth.com. And until next time, thanks for listening.